Ready? Okay. Uh, it's an honor and privilege to be here tonight and speak out of God's Word. And I've been coming about 28 years here preaching the Word of God and never leave the jail but on cloud nine. It's exciting. By trade, I'm a tool and die maker, welder, machinist, all that, and I retired two years ago after about 44 years of doing it. And praise the Lord, I'm retired. I, I got a little tired of it and, and got some COPD from all the welding fumes and all it that. But, uh, huh? It gets pretty hot in those places. Oh yeah, it does. But the Lord's blessed and, and uh, I got saved when I was 25 years old. He changed my life, my priorities. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be coming here preaching. I'd probably be sitting beside you. And the Lord changed my life, my priorities and everything. And He gave me a burden to come here and tell people about Jesus. And uh, tonight, the message on a, a give is on faith. And if you look up in the dictionary, the definition of faith is trust in something, to believe in something, have confidence in something, hope in something, dependence on something. Every day we have faith in things. Like when you came here, did you examine that chair real well before you sat in it? Probably not. You, you took the chair by faith that it hold your weight. The food you ate today, did you pick through every little piece of it see if there's glass or nails in it? You probably didn't. Well, in, in our daily walks, we got to live by faith. And when I drove here tonight, I had faith in my car. I had, like the brakes, you don't see the brakes, but they're there. At least you're living by faith that them brakes are there and they're going to work. You trust your whole life every time you get in a car. Whether you, the tires are going to hold up, the steering's going to keep steering you, you're going 70 miles down the road, you're hoping the brakes work, steering wheel brakes, and the, the tires don't blow up. So you live by faith every day. And think of an airplane pilot, how much faith he has to have in an airplane. It's, it's different than a car. A car, you always see where you're driving, okay? An airplane... They drive at night up there through the clouds, through the storms. They got to put their thing on automatic pilot or whatever and, and trust in that. Can you believe they're trusting their whole life in stuff they don't see? The mechanics, the hydraulics, and all that of that airplane. And if the engine fails on that airplane, it isn't like if the car died. When, when the engine on plane dies, you're going down. You just can't pull off the road. And same with parachutes. People trust their whole life in a piece of material and some cords jumping out of an airplane. So it's amazing. Huh? The guy that packed it. Yeah, that's right. Hope he packed it right. So we live by faith every day. And to be a true Christian, we live by faith. We haven't seen God, but we trust in Him. We trust in something we didn't ever see. Jesus Christ, is, if we're a true Christian, we trust in Him. And faith is a choice. We have a choice to trust in God or not. 
In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, the Bible says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He'll direct our paths. And I want to tell a story about a rich man that trusted in himself. It's in uh, Luke chapter 12, and uh, it talks about, Jesus talks about this rich man that just believed in himself and nothing else. And Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness or stinginess or greed. For a man's life consists not in abundance of things which he possesses. And Jesus then spoke this parable and said, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful, a lot of, a lot of produce. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? I do not have enough room to store all my fruit. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones, and I will bestow all my fruit and goods in them. And I will say to my soul, I have much goods laid up for many years, and I'm going to take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But here's what God said. But God said unto him, Thou fool! This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall have these things that you provided for? So he that layeth up treasures for himself and not rich towards God will not have anything. So this man thought, you know, I have the world by the tail. You probably know some rich people and they strut around and think they own the world and, and they're invincible and nothing's going to happen to him. But you know, the Lord's in control. And at any second, that rich man may not be around anymore. And, and if your health goes, you can have all the money in the world, and it won't bring your health back. So we got to watch what we trust in, not worldly things. And here's what Jesus said, too, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 22. Jesus says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust do corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. He says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moths or rust do corrupt, and thieves cannot break through and steal. And he goes on and says, For where your treasure is... There will your heart be also. See, where your treasure is, that's what's important to you. If it's just the earthly things, that's where your heart's at. But if you're, what's important to you is living for Jesus Christ, you're building your treasures in heaven. And they can't be taken away from you. We're talking about faith. And you know, I got thinking now, which. Which person in the Bible do I think of when I think of faith? And I think of David. You've heard of David and Goliath? Well, here's the story I'm going to read to you about David. He was just a little shepherd boy at the time when he slew Goliath. 
And here's the story. It, it talks in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting with verse 3, it talks about the Philistines. The Philistines were enemy of Israel. And the Philistines were up on one mountain, and the Israelis were on the other mountain, and they're getting ready for battle. And here's what it says. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side of the valley. And there went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Goth, whose height was six cubits and a span. And I looked up six cubits in a span. That is nine feet, nine inches tall. That's how big Goliath was. And some people say nobody could be that big ever. Well, I looked it up um, on my phone, and the biggest man that ever lived recently was a guy named Robert Waldo. And he was born in 1918, died in 19. 1940 in Manistee, Michigan, and he was 8 foot 11, almost 9 foot tall. Big guy. I think his shoe is like size 37. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So there has been people almost size of Goliath. So it said he was that big, and it said he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of maul. That maul is that chain mail stuff, you know. And the coat weighed 166 pounds. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs or leggings and a target of brass between his shoulders. And he has a staff of a spear that was like a weaver's beam. The spear wasn't just like a normal spear. It was size of a weaver's beam, a big beam. And the head of that spear weighed 15 pounds of iron. And there was a man that went before him that would bear a shield, run in front and carry a shield. And he stood and cried into the army of Israel and said unto them, Why art you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not I a Philistine and you serve King Saul, choose you a man this day and let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against you and kill him, then you shall be our servants. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when King Saul and all the Israelis heard the words of the Philistine, they were troubled and they were afraid. And in verse 24 it says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were afraid. And then we go to verse 32. David comes in the picture now, a shepherd boy. They can't find anybody to go against this giant. In them days, I was reading, most of the people were like five and a half foot tall, okay? And King Saul was over six foot tall is what they believe. So he's about a head high, higher than most people. 
but here's a guy five and a half foot tall and you see a guy nine foot nine and they estimated he weighed over 800 pounds so and here you go here's what it says and david a shepherd boy said to king saul let no man's heart fail because of this man i will go and fight with this philistine and saul said to david thou art not able to go against this philistine to fight him for thou are but a youth and he is a man of war from his youth so it'd be like some little kid going against the meanest baddest mma fighter there ever was a big guy and uh, i looked it up andre the giant he was like six foot eleven and he weighed 500 pounds. So this guy is a lot bigger than Andre the Giant. And here's a little kid going to take him on. It says he was a man of war. He was trained from his, his youth. And David said to Saul, I keep my father's sheep. And there came a lion, and it took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and attacked him and delivered out the sheep out of his mouth and then a, then the lion rose against me and I caught him by his beard and attacked him and slew him I slew both a lion and a bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them seeing he hath defiled the army of the living God David said the Lord that delivered me out of the paws of a lion and out of the paws of a bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, he says, go. <laughs> Nobody else wants to take this guy on. Here's a little boy and King Saul. He says, go and the Lord be, be with you. And King Saul armed David with his armor and put on his helmet of brass on his head and armed him with a coat of maul. And David strapped on his sword upon his armor and he tried to go. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these things. I have not proved them. And David took them all off. You know, can you imagine this little boy putting a big guy's helmet, maul, his big sword and all this? I can't even carry it all probably. So he took it all off. And he took himself a staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag. And when he had done this, he got his sling in his hand and drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came and drew near to David. And the man bore his shield, went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he made fun of him. For he was but a, a youth and a small and boy. And uh, he belittled David. He said, what, what's this little boy doing here? What, what in the world? And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? 
And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the fowls of the air and give the beasts of the field your carcass. And then David said to the Philistine, Thou come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Huh? That's faith, isn't it? And the host of God, of the army of Israel, whom you have defiled, this day the Lord will deliver you unto my hand, and I will smite thee and take these heads from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowl of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saved, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand. And it came to pass when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. He wasn't afraid at all. He ran. He ain't dinking around. He means business. He's fighting for the Lord. Can you imagine a little kid running up to that army? And David put his hand in his bag and, and took out a stone and slung it. And the stone struck the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and slew him and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until they came to the valley to the gates of Achan and wounded the Philistines. And they fell down by the wayside into Gath and Achan. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they looted their camps and their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. And the armor of Goliath he put in his tent. And when King Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said to, unto Abner, his captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner says, As my soul loveth, O king, I cannot tell you. And the king said, Inquire and find out whose son he is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said unto him, Whose son art thou? Thou young man, and David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse from Bethlehem. Well, that's the story.
of David and Goliath. And you can see why I picked that story. Talking about faith of a little little guy, a young man. I just thought, uh, that's awesome. And in, in Mark, Mark chapter 8, it says this, It's not always easy to be a Christian. <coughs> and here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And when Jesus had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's kind of like saying, whoever wants to follow me, take up his electric chair and follow me. The cross was a, a symbol of death. But Jesus says, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus says you can't just be a secret Christian. You need to stand for him. Don't waver. Stand for Christ. I'm going to give a little test in here right now to see where your faith is. Let's say right now, about 10 guys from ISIS come right in here and they say, we're going to shoot every Christian that's in this room. If you want to denounce Jesus Christ, you can leave right now. How many of us would stay in here? How many of us would stand for Christ? That, oh, the first guy that was next to me. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that exciting? I see hands going up for Jesus Christ. That separates the men from the boys when you have to sacrifice your life for Christ. But you know, if that truly happened and they executed you, the Bible says absent from the body, present with the Lord. We're on the winning side. We have nothing to fear. We can stand for Him. That tells you how strong you are in Christ when you can say that. It separates the true Christian from a phony Christian, from true faith to a false faith. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 11, it says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. We shouldn't be ashamed. We're on the winning side when we have Jesus Christ. And people think the Bible is, is, is kind of crazy or whatever. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perished, to them that doesn't know Jesus, it's foolishness to them. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. So we need to, to be standing on the Word of God. Put our faith in Christ. And you know, when we stand for Christ, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says this, 
I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's our peace and hope. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us, even in the bad times. And first Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says this, Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. You know, sometimes in this life, it's hard to trust the Lord. Things happen. We wonder, why, Lord? Why'd that happen? And I can remember a time I was buzzing down the road, getting off work. I'm buzzing in an S10 Blazer. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm only going like 30 mile an hour. But this guy didn't see me. He pulls right out in front of me. And I don't, even, I don't know if I even hit the brakes before I hit him. It happened so quick. And when I hit him, it, it tore my rotator cuff and tore up the whole front end of my blazer. And uh, did I say, yes, praise the Lord, I just tore my rotator cuff and messed up my car. I really didn't do that. But, you know, I said, well, Lord, you're in control. You know why things happen. And I ended up having to have rotator cuff surgery. I was out of work for at least four months in pain. And about that same time, I had a dear friend named Gordon. He was my hunting buddy. We did stuff together, shot guns, shot bows and arrows together. And if we shoot a deer, we'd help each other skin and track it out, whatever. And and that particular time, he was diagnosed with brain cancer. He had a brain tumor right here in the back of his head. And it was right wrapping around like an octopus around his brain stem. And he had the maximum treatments of radiation. I think he had 49 treatments. I'm not sure. It's been a lot of years ago. And he had some other treatments for this cancer. Nothing was working. And you know, during that time, I was off work. I was able to go to his house and spend quality time with my friend Gordon. Time I wouldn't have had otherwise. Time we, we read the Word of God together. I'd read it to him. And uh, daily breads, I'd read those to him. And it just so happened I had to go to therapy after surgery in South Bend. And uh, Gordon had to go to therapy too for to keep his range of motion. He was having a hard time walking and everything. That brain tumor was starting to work on his whole body. And so we scheduled it so I would take him to therapy and I'd go to therapy at the same time. So we had blessings, blessings of time together. And Gordon loved the Lord. He was saved and he, he was solid in faith. And he wasn't afraid to die. And we talked about death. We talked about his funeral. We talked about witnessing to other people. We talked about seeing each other again someday in heaven. He said he wanted me to do his funeral. So when he passed away, I did his funeral. And I know why he wanted me to give his funeral. Because he knows I don't beat around the bush. I preached the gospel. And I preached the gospel at his funeral and shared it with everybody. 
And you know, through all that bad time, through all that uh, pain of a surgery and off work, I had something money couldn't buy. Blessings. Blessings that were disguised at the time, but when I look back at them, I wouldn't give all the money in the world to exchange that accident time I had. And I, this little poem I want to read is a, a friend of mine, her name's Kay Tyran, and she wrote a whole book of poems. And I want to just share this poem with you tonight. I thought it'd fit in about our faith. Do not have sorrow. Do not be afraid. Jesus is taking care of everything, of all, of all things. When you come through this trial, you'll understand. He was there all along holding on to your hand. Oh, trust. Oh, trust in Jesus is sometimes awful hard to do. Hold on to your faith. He will see you through. Sometimes we don't know why, but like this here, when that trial's over, you'll understand why. Why you had them. Sometimes these trials help us grow in Christ. You may be here tonight and wonder why you're in jail. But you know, it might be a blessing in disguise. Like I said, I've been coming here about 28 years. Talked to a lot of men. And they said the best thing that ever happened in their life was coming to the Cass County Jail. They said, you know, if I was still out there, I might be dead. Said, and I, I came to Jesus Christ here in the Cass County Jail. It changed my life and my priorities. So sometimes things happen, and and sometimes we pray to God to change our circumstances, and maybe the circumstances in our lives are there to change us. So sometimes that's that's what it's there for. And then there, there's people out there that says, you know, you got to earn your way to heaven. And the Bible doesn't say you earn your way to heaven. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When you say you're good enough to go to heaven, you're boasting. And you're more or less saying, Jesus Christ died for nothing because I'm good enough to go by myself. But Jesus Christ died for our sins. In, in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says, Our righteousness is but filthy rags. In Romans 2, 10 it says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God so we can't be good enough to go to heaven or earn our way to heaven you don't get saved by your good works but once you're a true Christian the result of being a true Christian is good works you 
you want to do right, you want to do good. You, people should see a change in your life. And in James chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Faith without works is dead. And in James chapter 2, verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So what it's saying, you don't get to heaven by your works, but once you come to Christ and you have faith in Jesus Christ, you will have good works. It says faith without works is dead. How can you be a Christian if you, if you don't have some results of being a Christian? Some good works. That's what Christians do. And when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, this, this is the results of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. That's the results of being a Christian. They'll know us by our fruit, by our love. That's what the Bible says. And if you want to grow in faith, here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's how you grow stronger in faith. You read the Word of God, and what helps better yet is memorizing the Word of God. You don't always have a Bible with you. The Bible says... Thy word have I hidden my heart, that I may not sin against thee. It helps us. Have you ever heard about being a doubting Thomas? Ever hear? Well, you're a doubting Thomas. That used to be a saying years ago. Okay, he's heard it. Well, this is, I'm going to share, you how, share to you tonight how that came about. After Jesus died on the cross, the third day he rose again from the grave. After he did that, the disciples were in a, in a building with the door locked. They were kind of hiding out since Jesus died. They were kind of panicking. Here, here, the one they followed, he died. Well, they're in that room, and Jesus comes right through the wall and sees them. And he's talking to them. And the disciples are rejoicing. They're excited. And then Jesus left. And Thomas wasn't in that room with him, one of the disciples. He was gone. And when the disciples seen Thomas, they said, We've seen the Lord. He's alive. And Thomas says, Ah, he ain't alive. I see him die. He's gone. He says, Unless I see the wounds in his hands, I'm not going to believe. Now, I'm going to read what the Bible says. In John chapter 20, starts with verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples, disciples therefore said, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands and nail prints in his hands and put my finger into prints of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, the disciples were in the same room and Thomas was with them. 
Then came Jesus with the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither my hand and thrust it in my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. He finally believed. He said, my Lord and my God. And here's the powerful part of this message. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. But blessed are they that have not seen, but yet have believed. See, we haven't seen Jesus but we believed. And what's Jesus say about us? Blessed are they that have not seen, but yet have believed. That's pretty awesome. Powerful. I want to tell a little story that talks about faith. It's about a, a circus performer named Blondin who stretched a long steel cable across Niagara Falls. During high winds, without a safety net, he walked, he ran, he even danced across that tightrope in the amazement and delight of a large crowd of people who watched him. Once he took a wheelbarrow full of bricks and amazed the crowd by pushing it effortlessly across the cable from one side of Niagara Falls to the other side. Then Blondin turned to the crowd and asked, Now, how many of you believe that I can push a man across the wire in a wheelbarrow? And the vote was unanimous. Everyone cheered and held up their hand. They said, I believe, I believe you can do it, Blondin. Then Blondin asked, which one of you volunteers want to do it? Huh? <laughs> they all believed. But when it come right down to it, none of them believed. And it says, as quick as the hands went up, they all went back down. Not a single person would volunteer to ride in that wheelbarrow and trust him and have faith in him to go across the falls. And that's why I wanted to share this little message with you. It talks about faith. Talks cheap, isn't it? I've met a lot of people that say they're Christians. They trusted Christ. They believe in Christ. They have faith in Christ. But the first storm that comes up, rough times come up, they forget all about Jesus Christ. When it's time to take a stand, they falter. And then again, like I say, it separates the men from the boys. Is your faith in Christ like those that were trusted blonde? Or is it shallow or is it deep? People say they're Christians, but their walk, their actions, their life, their faith doesn't show it. There's a lot of people out there like that. Talk's cheap. Here's what Jesus said about people like that. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips 
but their hearts are far from me. God knows all of us, and we can't fool God. We can't hide from God. And here's some verses to prove it. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, watching the evil and the good. Hebrews chapter 14, verse 13, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before His eyes. And someday we must all give an account before God. Someday we all have to. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including everything hidden, whether it be good or evil. Judgment day's coming someday for all of us. That's what the Bible says. I ask you, how are you going to pan out on judgment day uh, when you get before the Lord? Is He going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or is He going to say, depart from me, you that work wickedness, I never knew you. In Romans chapter 3.10 it says, There is none righteous, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8 says this, But God commended His love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says the gift of God. What do you have to do to accept a gift? If I had a gift up here for you, what would you have to do to accept it? There you go. Just come up and get it, right? Well, that's what Jesus Christ says about us. We don't have to be rich. We don't have to be famous. We don't have to be anything special. We're all sinners. But He says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that awesome? Romans 10.9 and 10.10, the Bible says this, If thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And verse 13 says, For whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many? Whosoever. Anybody. Everybody. Isn't that awesome? A loving God says whosoever. Doesn't matter who you are or what you did. If you're not for sure you're on your way to heaven, here's what I'll read to you. It's in 1 John 5.13. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. 
you can know that you're on your way to heaven. I know if I die right now, I'm in heaven. Not because I'm good, not because I'm kind, because I'm none of those things. I'm forgiven through Jesus Christ. I asked Him in my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I was at the age of 25 when I asked Christ in my heart. And I know He's real because He completely changed my life. Completely. I was a young boy that hid in the restroom of the church when I was a kid. I hated going to church. I stuttered. I, I had to go to special reading classes, special speech classes. Last thing I want to do is get in front of somebody and read. But the Lord changed me completely. And that's why I'm here tonight. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become. How much? All, all things are become new. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. How many? All. That's awesome. An awesome God. Anybody. In John three sixteen through 18, most of you know that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world may be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Condemned already if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. D.L. Mooney said this, Bible scholar, he says, The Bible was not given to us just to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. This Bible was given to us to change our lives. Yeah, we pray to God sometime to change our circumstances, but maybe God wants the circumstances we're in to change us. Jesus fills the void we try to fill with earthly things. We're never satisfied in this world. Everybody says you got to have this, you got to have that. And we're never satisfied. Look at all the Hollywood people that have everything. They have the fame, the money. How satisfied are they in life, most of them, you see on television? They've been divorced in and out of marriages and in and out of relationships. They're, they're, a lot of them are druggies. A lot of them committed suicide. Some of them in rehab. All this. So if everything was like Hollywood says is the dream, it's, it's, not, it's not heaven. Heaven is not down here. So I ask you today, where are you at? And Jesus' will and goal in our lives is not to always make us happy, not always to make us healthy, not always to make us wealthy. God's will and goal in our lives is to make us more like Him. Make us more like Him. And in Revelations 3.20, this is what Jesus says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Door your heart. 
If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him. That's what Jesus promises. And Jesus also says this in Matthew 10, 32 and 33. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. You need to take a stand for Christ. There's nothing to be ashamed of. The world wants to beat up the Christian anymore. It seems like the world keeps trying to, to, to say we're weirdos, we're, we're, we're old-fashioned, we have morals, we're, we're all this kind of stuff. But you know, this Bible is ageless. It says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So how can we go wrong when we're standing on God's word? God made us. We trust a car that man made. We'll trust our whole life in a parachute man made. God made us. We need to trust him. He made us. He knows all our weak spots. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven. The world says there's many ways to heaven. God said there's one way. Me. I died for you. Live for me. If you want to get right with Jesus tonight, I'll give you one of these little booklets. And we'll say the sinner's prayer together out loud. We're standing for Christ. So if you want to stand for Christ and ask Christ in your heart tonight, stand up right now and I'll give you one of these. And this little, we'll go through this little booklet real quick. A picture's worth a thousand words. I'm, I'm here where it shows people and it shows God. And in the next page, it shows sin separates us from God. That's what the big gulf is between us. Then the next page shows sin brings death and judgment. Then the next page is one I really like. It shows people and it shows God and it shows the cross in between. And as we have a breath to live, we have a choice to make whether accept Jesus Christ or not. Once we die, the choice is made. You're gone, heaven or hell. But right now, if you're on this side and you never ask Christ in your heart, you cross that bridge through Jesus Christ. And the next page shows you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You're on the winning side. You have fellowship with God. Your sins are forgiven. So if, if you want to come to Christ tonight, just repeat after me, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. <laughs> The Bible says the Lord looks upon the heart. He knows whether you're really doing business with Him or you're playing church. So why don't we bow in a word of prayer and repeat after me out loud and get right with Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know there's no way I can make it to heaven on my own. I know there's no way I can make it to heaven on my own. I know you died for me. I know you died for me. For my sins. For my sins. 
Lord, I want to follow your ways. Not my ways. I want to live for you. I want to be a light for you. Forgive me of all my sins. Be my Lord, my Savior. Be my Lord, my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. Amen. If you meant it, He's there. If any man be in Christ, he is that new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You have a, a new life in Christ. And it's time to get in the Word of God and start memorizing the Word of God and become stronger and stronger in your faith. And uh, you may be the next guy coming in here preaching the Word of God. And I'll give you a challenge right now. You're in here. You have free time. Get into Bible studies. Read the Word on your own. Memorize the Word on your own. I used to make these little recipe cards up of verses I wanted to memorize. They're like these recipe cards here. and I'd write down the verses, and every chance I got, I just looked at it. And, and, and I memorized tons of verses. And it helps me. If I want to tell someone about Jesus, I can just quote a verse here, there. And, and it isn't fluff that wins people to Christ. It's the Word of God. That's where the power is. I can tell you all kinds of stories, but that doesn't matter. The power is memorizing the Word of God. So, Carl, you're up. And praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're on the winning side. Amen. No matter what people say, don't matter. Everybody, the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord someday, whether they want to or not. Uh, thank you, Chaplain Gary. Thank God for all you guys standing up. And, uh, praise the Lord.